So today we're going to talk about every man's battle. <laughs> the battle of looking at things that do not belong to us and lusting after those things is a battle that has tempted mankind since the very beginning. God told Eve, you can have any tree in the garden, just not this one. So Satan slithers into the garden and he knows if he can just get Eve to look at it. If he can just get her to put her eyes on this tree, the more she looks at it, the more the lust will get in her heart and she will eventually lunge out and grab it. And it says in Genesis 3 verse 6, when Eve saw the tree was good, when she saw it was pleasant and delightful to look at, she ate it. Listen, for most men, for most all men, the battle starts with the eyes. Lust does not begin in the heart. Lust begins with what we choose to look at on a regular basis. Now that word pleasant there, it means desirable. It was desirable. That, that word's a neutral word. It's not a bad word. It depends on what it is you're looking at to desire. A lot of ladies think that the reason their husband may look at pornography every now and then is because it's the way she looks. Well, I've gained weight or I've had babies or I've gotten older and things have changed. Looking at pornography has nothing to do with the way your wife looks. It is not a battle of looks. It is total lust. Pornography is, a, is, a, is, a, is, a, is an issue that men battle with, especially in America, on a regular basis. Not because of the way things necessarily look. They think that's why. But the real reason is it's because something that the enemy says is more enticing and better for you than what God has for you. What God had for Adam and Eve was much better, but Satan wanted to convince them that what Satan had for them is more enticing and more exciting. And I'll prove to you it has nothing to do with looks, because a lot of people think the tree that Eve was looking at looked better than all the other trees, was more pleasant and more desirable. But Genesis 2.9 says the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight. They all looked good. It was the simple fact that this was one they were not supposed to have. Satan was trying to say what God has provided for you is not good enough. You need to come and see what I have for you. It says in Matthew 5, 28, whoever looks at a woman in lust has committed adultery with her in her heart. I want you to see lust does not begin in the heart. It begins with the eyes. What you look at on a regular basis affects your heart. And ladies, in 30 minutes from now, when your husband decides to repent to you or later on today when y'all are talking, he says, yes, I do struggle with this. Understand it is not a struggle of love. It has nothing to do with love. Your husband may love you 100%. It has nothing to do with him loving you. In fact, it has nothing to do with how much he loves Jesus. It has nothing to do with how much he loves Jesus. Lust is everywhere we look. There's always something that we want to look at that we're not supposed to have. Lust begins with the eyes. I'm going to show you some t statistics. And when I show you statistics, it's not just off of a random website. The Pew Research Center is the number one statistics center in the entire world. Nations use it. Um, um, government authorities use it. Professors use it. So that's where I get it from. And 96% of all men in the world look at pornography at least one time a week. Now, when you see this, you're thinking, well, you know what? America is not that big compared to all these other countries. There's more pornography in America than any other country in the world. Uh, let me show you another statistic that I hope brings tears to your eyes. 89% of all Christian men in America who attend church look at pornography at least one time a week. Christian men. And listen, I, I, I'm going to bring you some hope at the end of the sermon, and I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Um, but I want you to know, especially you ladies who think I'm a little bit far out, I've helped dozens of men walk out of this addiction, but I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of men who are intelligent, who are very resourceful, who have good jobs, and hundreds of men, and they've cried their eyes out to me because they don't want this addiction. 
And every man thinks when they hear a sermon like this, it's not that big a deal, I can stop anytime. Then why haven't you? In 10, 20, 30 years, why haven't you? And Satan wants every man in this room to be in bondage for the rest of his life. He wants, he wants it to start when you're a young boy. He wants it to start with whatever magazines your father left around the house. He wants it to start with your moron parents who give you a phone that is unprotected where all you got to do is mash one button and demons enter into your life and it keeps you in bondage for the rest of your life and Satan doesn't show you the end of that hook that you get married one day and you subconsciously compare every single thing you see on a computer screen to your wife. You no longer have intimacy in your marriage because of this addiction that started when you were 13 years old. Satan wants every man to go through that for the rest of his life. And that's why it is the wife's job to be a helpmate in this area. Not a hurt mate, not a hate mate, but a helpmate. Because Satan's goal is to keep every young boy, every man, every senior man in bondage forever. And, 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 and every man I talk to, most every man I talk to about this, this married, they want so bad to tell their wife, so bad. Because they want help and they don't want to live in bondage and they've tried to break free of this for years and they just can't break free and they're so scared of two things. Their wife's going to condemn them or their wife's not going to meet their needs in this area. And they're going to go back to the computer screen. And I want you to see how serious it is before we get into the hope so you understand how important it is to walk out of this today. Matthew 6.22 says the eyes are the windows to the soul. Your mind, your will, and your emotions, your personality, your heart, who you are, it starts with your eyes. And see, a lot of men who are deceived in this area think, no, it's not that big of a deal. It doesn't really affect me. It's only every now and then. Okay, listen, um, when you saw the birth of your child, didn't that do something to your heart? When you saw your child's first steps, when you see scripture up on a screen, when you watch television shows, you know, Seinfeld or Brady Bunch or, or, or movies, you know, Captain America, these things affect you or else you wouldn't watch it. You enjoy it. It does something to you. So how come all these other things you look at does affect your heart, but pornography doesn't? Come on. Of course, it's rotting your soul from the inside out, rotting it from the inside out. When you go to the doctor or the hospital, you trust a surgeon to open up your physical heart or open up your brain or do surgery on your body. The reason you trust this person is because they spent eight years looking at videos, looking at textbooks, looking at other surgeries being done, looking at charts, looking at graphs. Now you trust them to open up your heart or your brain or do surgery on your body because they spent eight years looking at certain things. How many years have you spent looking at the wrong things and what has it turned you into? You, you, a surgeon, eight years of looking at this, what does eight years or 18 years or 38 years of looking at pornography do to you? Here's all I'm saying today is this in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart. The way a man guards his heart is by guarding his eyes. You can't just watch any TV show you want to. You can't look at any movie you want to. It does affect your soul. It affects whether or not you're hearing from God clearly. How are you going to hear from God on the major decisions in your family when you're constantly looking at things that fill your soul up with things that prevent you from hearing from God clearly? It doesn't happen. You've got to guard your heart. I have three points for you today and then a bonus point. The bonus point's the hope. And, and I did really good with my points. I'm really proud of myself on this. So you'll see how they all flow together so well. So point number one is this. Strong men fall. If your husband is funny, if he's talented, if he's influential, if he's got money, if he's good at his job, if there's any strong quality in him, that is the man Satan is after in this area, and strong men still fall. 
Proverbs 7, 25. Don't let the wrong woman win your heart. She's caused the death of too many. Her house is the way to hell, for she has slain many strong men. Don't ever think, well, my husband's so strong, and he's so influential, and he's so this and that. He won't fall in this area. Strong men fall. Who was the strongest man in the entire world? Samson. Right? Samson. And God told his mom that he's going to grow up and deliver God's people from the hand of the Philistines. He's going to have supernatural strength that's based on him keeping his hair long because he was a Nazarite. And so Samson was born and he grew up, but he did not restrain himself with what he looked at. He had a pornography addiction. In Judges 14, 1, Samson went to Timnah where a woman called his eye. It wasn't her personality. <laughs> it wasn't her intelligence. Just want you to know, she called his eye, he came back and told his parents, I saw a woman. The first four words ever recorded out of the strongest man's mouth in the entire world is actually the story of his demise. I saw a woman. His parents said, whoa, 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 she's not a Christian. She doesn't have the same faith you do. Her convictions are different. It was too late. He had already looked at her so much it got inside of his heart. And whatever you look at gets in your heart. And whatever's in your heart, you will act out on. And he acted out on it. And he married the wrong woman. At the wedding, at the wedding, she cheats on him with one of his groomsmen. Read your Bible. I know y'all think he just watches Young and the Restless and just tells us stories. No, Young and the Restless got this from the Bible. Truth, read your Bible. She cheated on him with one of his groomsmen at the wedding. And so Samson went out in Judges 16.1. He went to Gaza and he saw a loose woman and went to her. Because the lust was in his heart. And here's the funny thing. How can you tell a loose woman just by the way she looks? That's, that's very interesting to me. Samson could look at a woman and tell whether or not she was loose. Do you mean tell you how? If she doesn't wear a bra, if her bathing suit in the back barely covers up her crack, and if every picture on social media is either in a bikini or showing off her chest. That's how a man can tell if a woman's loose. So if your daughter dresses like that, I don't want to say be ashamed because that's not godly. If your daughter dresses like that, you need to be convicted of it and teach her how to be a modest girl and a modest woman. Because every unsaved man in the entire world is looking to see bra, bikini thongs, and what she shows on Facebook. That's how you can tell a loose one. And every man in this room knows exactly what I'm talking about. That's why all of our faces are red right now. And so... <laughs> And so he found this loose woman. And listen, don't you want a man to want you for, for like who you are and not just what you look at? Because if you're attracting men based on what you look at and what you're flaunting off, listen, once you lose that body, you're going to lose the man. But if they want you for your personality and your, your intelligence and your faithfulness, your hard work and you're a good mom, you're creative, you're funny, all these other qualities, then someone will really love you. Samson didn't love her. She didn't love Samson. In fact, she's the one that taught the enemy and said the secret to his strength is his long hair. She shaved his head while he was asleep. She shaved his head. And so the enemy comes in because he didn't guard himself with what he looked at. In Judges 16, 21, the Philistines captured Samson and they poked out his eyes. Even they knew that was the problem in his life. Here's the funniest, craziest thing about the story of Samson. This will blow your mind. Blow your mind. At verse 21, they poked out his eyes, right? He lost his hair. He's bald. He's not strong. He's weak. And all, and he's grinding at the mill as a weak slave who's blind. He should have been delivering God's people, which was his destiny, which was what God called him to do. But he didn't because he kept looking at the wrong things. As soon as he could no longer look at the wrong things, verse 22 says, the hair in his head began to grow one more time. His anointing came back the second 
He stopped looking at things he shouldn't be looking at. Listen, your son, your husband, every man in here has a destiny as great as Samson. And the minute you will start guarding your devices, get you an accountability partner, the minute you'll walk away from this, your anointing will come back. And you'll be able to do things that God called you to do originally before you had that addiction in your life. Samson killed more with his death than he did his entire life. Because he could no longer look at the wrong things. Okay, point number two is this. Spiritual men fall. Do not think, well, my husband loves Jesus so much. Or my son, he's, such a, he's so spiritual, he'll never fall in this area. Spiritual men fall. Proverbs 24, 16. Righteous man falls seven times. Now listen, it should never stop you from serving God. I don't care what addiction you... In fact, the greater the addiction, the more you should serve God to get your mind off of it. You should be signing up for everything we got every night of the week. Because when you're alone and you're by yourself or you're bored, that's when Satan comes to stalk you. You need to sign up for, I mean, you need to move chairs, bring in water, clean the church. You do whatever it takes. A righteous man will fall, but he needs to keep on getting back up and serving God. Who is the most spiritual man in the Bible aside from Jesus? David. Read the life of David. 2 Samuel 11, 1, in the spring when kings go off to war. I want you to see something. It says David didn't do what he was supposed to be. David was not where he was supposed to be. He wasn't at work when he was supposed to be at work. It's very tempting in a man's life when he's not where he's supposed to be. He's not at home with the family like he's supposed to be. He's not at work like he's supposed to be. He's kind of skipping out on things. You've got to know yourself. You've got to know your flesh. Get to know who you are. Get to know the bad side of you so you know what to watch out for. David wasn't where he was supposed to be. And the very next scripture says, one night he was on his roof walking around and he saw a woman bathing. So funny, her name was Bathsheba. Isn't that so funny? If she had been taking a shower, would her name have been Shower Sheba? You know, her name was, I just thought it was her, Bathsheba. And the first time he sees her, she's in the bath. And it says the woman was very beautiful to look upon. He wasn't looking at her face, just so you know. That's not what he was staring at. Now, in this moment, David had a decision. Am I going to change the channel? Or this, this scene, it's just a 30-second scene. That's it. We can keep watching. It'll be okay. You have to understand something. The more you watch, the more it gets in your heart and it creates something inside of you that was never supposed to be created inside of you. And David just kept looking. You know, if you take a frog... And you, and you put that frog, you throw him in a pot of boiling water. The frog will jump out immediately because it doesn't, it doesn't want to die. It feels that heat. But if you put that same frog in a pot of water at room temperature, and every few minutes you just turn up the degrees a little bit, after about an hour or two, it'll get to be boiling. The frog is so subtle, the frog doesn't even know what's happening to him. It's getting it's desensitized. To what's going on around them. And eventually the frog will boil to death. It's the same attack the enemy uses on every male in this room. It starts off very subtle. Just a few scenes in a movie. Just a few TV shows. Just a magazine that was lying around when I was younger. Just, just something funny my friend sent me. Just a video I watched real quick. It's very subtle. What Satan doesn't show you is that you're boiling to death and you don't even realize it. It's getting something like this. And when you start with pornography, it never, it never ends with just that first scene. You always go to something heavier and heavier and worse and worse. And trust me, I've talked to hundreds of men. It gets to the point where they're looking at things that are so horrific. Things they never thought they'd be attracted to. Things that were never inside of them. It gets to be such a horrible place. 
They're shocked at what's before their eyes. It's always like it never, never, never ends with something simple. It always gets worse and worse and worse. And with David, he kept looking at her. He kept looking at her. In verse 4, he brought her to him and he lay with her. He ended up not just having sex with her, but he ended up killing her husband, having him murdered. Then he gets her pregnant. Then all kind of horrible things happen. For nine months, he's in condemnation. He's depressed. He's sick. It's just a snowball effect. No wonder at the end of all this, David wrote in Psalms 101.3, I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. He finally learned the lesson. Finally, after being as spiritual as he was, he felt all of that could have been avoided. The murder, the adultery, all that could have been avoided if he had just, if he had just guarded his phone, his laptop, the TV shows, the movies. If he had just guarded what he looked at, it could have all been avoided. Point number three, smart men fall. Smart men fall. Oh, my husband, he's so intelligent. He knows the word and he's just so wise. This isn't an area that he's struggling in. Oh, 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 bless your heart, you dear sweet thing. Even who's the smartest man in the entire Bible? Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, the Bible says. Now, before I read you about Solomon, I want to read you a scripture in 2 Peter 2.14. Having eyes full of adultery. Their hearts are trained in lust. They are children of a curse. Most likely, if your husband has an addiction in this area, it didn't start with him. It started with his father. I could almost almost bet money on it. Or with his grandfather. Or someone in the house before him did not restrain what they looked at. And it just kept getting passed down. That's why men, listen, if not for you, do it for your children. David fell in 2 Samuel 11. Absalom, his son, fell in 2 Samuel 13. And then his son Solomon fell in 1 Kings 11. Your parents may not love you enough to put guards on your phone. Do it for yourself. Your parents may not care about you enough to make sure there's parental controls on your laptop or your computer. Do it for yourself. They may think, oh, I battled it and I'm getting through it. No, you're setting your children up for failure. You're setting them up for a horrible marriage, for a lack of intimacy with their spouse. You're setting them up for depression, discouragement, condemnation for the rest of their life. For heaven's sakes, do something. Listen, I'm spiritual. I'm smart. I'm not that strong. But I would fall in this area if it were not for the fact that I have an incredibly amazing, good, and giving wife. And my best friend is my accountability partner. There's, There's controls on my phone and my laptop. You say, well, I don't, I don't need to do that because I don't battle it. Well, if you don't battle it, then you won't mind your wife putting that stuff on your phone and your computer. You won't mind your parents doing it. If you don't battle it, then it's no big deal. Because one day when you least expect it, one day when you think you're strong, you're smart, you're spiritual, that one day when you think you can stand and not fall, that's when the Bible says the enemy comes in and you fall like lightning. It'll be the worst day in your life. For heaven's sakes, guard, guard, guard. Uh, Solomon, wisest man that ever lived. 1 Kings 11, 4. Solomon was obsessed with many women, which the Lord God said, don't marry them because they'll turn your hearts after their gods. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after. Do you see the heart all through this? It's all about the heart. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord. The wrong relationship, the wrong people turned his heart away from God. 
My goodness, you're not spiritual enough, you're not strong enough, and you're not smart enough to withstand these attacks. That's why bonus point is this. Successful men flee. Successful men flee. Um, it is better to be alone than be with the wrong person. It's better to be single and sit at home and watch, you know, MASH or, or, or Andy Griffith's show than be going out with clubs with someone you know you're not going to marry, you know is not part of your destiny. You're wasting time because God may be trying to bring you Mr. and Miss Wright, but you're in the wrong place. Mr. and Miss Wright's over here where you're supposed to be in church or serving or at a Bible study or in a good movie or with friends at a restaurant, but you're hanging out with Mr. Wrong, with, 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 with Miss Wrong, Mr. Wrong over here. You're going to miss out on what God has for you. Better to be single than with the wrong person. Let me show you something amazing, amazing in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 6, 18, flee from sexual immorality, thought, word, or deed. 2 Timothy 2, 22, flee from youthful lust. Here's the people you're supposed to hang out with. Christians who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. Here's what I want you to see that's really crazy. Everywhere else in the Bible, it says when you're battling something, it says to stand and pray, quote the word, clap and sing. You know the Bible says when you're depressed, you worship, you praise, you clap. It says when you're fighting against fear, you quote the word. It says when this battle's happening, you pray and stand strong. It says when you need money, you sow and you give. All these other things. The one area in the entire Bible where it says don't do nothing but run like hell is in the area we're talking about today. It's the only thing in the whole Bible that says, hey, run. You see, run. Flee. You don't look. Go, go, go. You're not. Here's why the Bible says that. You're not spiritual enough to stand there and not affect you. You're not smart enough and you're not strong enough. And you're a fool if you think you are or you're a fool if you think any man is. I don't care how great of a pastor they are, how spiritual they look on TV. Every man, the Bible says, every man in this area needs to flee when that comes across the screen. Flee. Run. Run. Run like the wind. Run like Forrest Gump. Run, run, run. And don't stop. You say, well, um, you know, the reason we're living together in sin is because it's just easier and more convenient and we're saving money. You know, one day we might get married, I don't know, but the reason we're living in immorality is because we're saving money. We're saving money. And that's the thing I hear all the time. Okay, let me ask you, how much money are you saving? Are you saving 30 pieces of silver? Is that how much money you're saving? If you could save 30 pieces of silver by living with somebody in sin, would you do it? How much do you need to betray Jesus? Is 30 pieces of silver good enough? How much more are you saving? Here's what you're saying. You're saying this. I love money so much. I would rather there be a curse on this relationship and have this extra money than for God to bless this relationship and us either live pure or get married and then I might not have enough money. In fact, you're so deceived and so sick in this area, you actually love money more than that person because you're saying, I would rather this person who I say I love be cursed but me get some extra money and, say, and it'd be more convenient for me. So in, in fact, if I really wanted to, I could preach this. You're actually battling lust. You're lusting after money. The reason you want to live together and sin for convenience or money or whatever the sake is, you, love, you lust after money that much. You want them to be cursed. You want you to be cursed as long as it helps you out a little bit financially. Same thing with the tithe. It's hilarious. Listen, 1 Corinthians 7, 9, better to marry than burn with passion. If you're living together and you know, why not get married tomorrow, have the ceremony a year from now or whatever you want to have the ceremony so you have God's blessing 
than to completely live with the curse of your life. Everywhere you go, that relationship, cursed. Everything you do, cursed. Every dinner, cursed. Every movie, cursed. Because you're living in sin with them. I know what I'm saying goes completely against society. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's just who I am, and I know you all hate me. Okay, here we go. So, successful man in the Bible. I'm almost done. Successful man. Joseph was a successful man. Joseph was successful. He was a slave to Potiphar, but everywhere God put him, he kept on growing and succeeding and, 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 and getting promoted. And it says in Genesis 39, verses 6 through 12, Joseph was attractive and handsome. Let's all just take a moment of silence for those of us who have this cross that we have to bear of being attractive and handsome. Okay, we're done. Okay, it came to pass that Potiphar's wife... I'm joking. I'm joking. Cast longing eyes. Longing eyes. Again, it starts with the eyes. Even with women, by the way, even though this is every man's battle, even with women. Longing eyes on Joseph. She said, lie with me. But he refused and said, my master's committed his entire house. How can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? So she spoke to Joseph day by day. Listen, you may not feel this. Um, so it's going to be hard for you to understand this. But for some young men, it is an every single day battle. And Satan doesn't say, well, you know, I've been after you these six days and Sunday I'll give you off. Every single day for many men in this room, it is a day by day battle. Day by day battle. She said, lie with me. When Joseph went to the house to do his work. Now, also I want you to see, ladies, one of the best ways you can guard your marriage is to affirm your husband on a regular basis. I realize that you know all the bad things about your husband. And that lady at work is flirting with him. She doesn't know all the bad stuff. She only sees some of the good stuff there. I realize that you bore his children. I realize you clean up after him. But you still need to affirm your husband at home. Because I can promise you, when he's at work doing a good job, there's somebody there that's going to affirm him. There's somebody there that's going to cast longing eyes on your husband. I don't care what he looks like. I don't care what flaws you think he has. I promise you, there's a woman out there that wants your husband desperately. So you guard your marriage. You always affirm each other. So she grabbed him by his coat. Now that word grab is another word for shot. It's a Hebrew word meaning shot him. She shot him. If you're watching a movie or a television show and someone naked comes across the screen, if you are not shocked by that, your heart is incredibly corroded and you desensitize to a place that is going to take some prayer and some hard work to get back. It'll happen and there's hope for you, but I'm just telling you, you need to be shocked every time someone naked comes on the screen. Shocked. And if you're smart, you can actually look up every movie and TV show to see exactly. You know, there's this TV show, this not even this TV show called Game of Thrones or something like that. And don't act like, don't tell me if you watch it, okay? Don't even act like you know what it is. Like, I don't know that show anywhere. And so we hear about it, my wife and I, and there's this app called VidAngel where you can watch anything, any movie ever made. And you go to the, the app at the beginning and you, it, you, it tells you like 100% nudity or 100% whatever it is. And you can take the percentage back. And as you take back the cussing or the violence or whatever you want to take back, it shows the time of the TV show or movie. And it shows it getting you know smaller. Like if you take out all the nudity in a movie, it'll cut it back 15 minutes or whatever. It takes those scenes out. We thought we were going to watch Game of Thrones because everybody talks about us. We went there. When we took out the nudity, the TV show went down to two minutes long. <laughs> The whole TV show was gone. It was like the intro, the outro. We got to see it. That was it. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious. I need to say that in second service. That was really funny. Anyway, so she shot him and said, lie with me. But Joseph fled. Why did he flee? Because he knew he wasn't spiritual enough. He knew he wasn't strong enough. And he knew he wasn't smart enough to stand there. Now listen, Joseph did not flee because she was ugly. He fleed because she, he was, she was someone 
there was a temptation. He fleed because he knew she thought that he thought she looked good. He, he fleed because he knew it was something that was going to affect him if he stayed. That's why he fleed. He fled, leaving his coat behind. Men, you're going to have to be inconvenienced in some ways if you're going to walk in purity in this area. I realize it's inconvenience for you to take your computer or your phone. There's a place in Little Beach called Blue, True Blue or something. That's where I take my devices. 20 bucks, they put you know all the stuff on there so you can't. I know it's a little bit inconveniencing, but sometimes you have to leave your coat behind. Sometimes you have to go through things like that in order to have God's favor in your life. Guard your heart by guarding your devices and your relationships. Okay, in closing, there are three reasons why a married couple does not have healthy intimacy. There are three reasons and three reasons only why a married couple does not have healthy intimacy. I didn't say sex, I said intimacy. So make sure you see that. Okay, three reasons, and these three reasons only. Number one is that there's a pornography addiction somewhere in the marriage. Two, there's a negative or fault-finding, unkind spouse. Because a man would rather have a, unfortunately, this is sick and sad, a man would rather have a computer screen than a woman who's unkind and nagging and fault-finding and negative. In a heartbeat. And most men, they'd rather have a computer or a phone than a woman who's always fussing or griping about something. Or there's homosexual struggles, which we've talked about in another sermon before. But for the first two, it's either pornography or negativity or sometimes both. And let me tell you, 1 Corinthians 13 says love is never unkind. Love is not rude. There's no excuse for being rude or negative or unkind in your marriage. No excuse. And, and notice I didn't put in here hormones or feelings. Intimacy has nothing to do with how much testosterone's in your body. Nothing to do with it. Well, when I was younger, da -da, I said intimacy. You, you don't feel like changing your kids' diapers. You do it because you love them. Love is an action. Love, 1 Corinthians 13, love is action, action, action. You can still take a shower with your spouse and hug them and kiss them and all these other things, whether you feel like it or not hormonally, because they're your spouse and you love them. Genesis 2.18 says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a what? A helpmate. If your husband decides to be honest with you later today and say, listen, honey, I do struggle in this area. Do, listen, be very strong, ladies, okay? You're his helpmate. You're not his hurtmate. You're not his hatemate. You're his helpmate. And it's amazing to me, Adam was not alone. God was with him. Adam wasn't alone. God was walking with him every day. That amazes me. He had God. He had God. And God said, you know what? You're No, I'm not alone. I got God. God said, but there's something I'm going to put in your wife. So powerful. So amazing that she will be the only person on planet Earth that will provide for you in this area. And I'm going to put it inside of her. And it's her job to help you in this area. That is amazing to me. That means every wife in here is in a very powerful position. You're in a position of great, you have great responsibility in this position. If you make excuses, if you're negative, unkind, I promise you, Satan has a computer image right around the corner. Right around the corner. 1 Corinthians 7, 5 says, don't refuse sex to each other. Now, if you're not married, don't you twist what I'm saying, okay? You better be married. Don't you leave out of here. Did you hear what that pastor said? Yeah, I said, you be I said you need to put a ring on it. That's what I said. And not an engagement ring either. The whole kit and caboodle. Okay, so don't refuse sex. And it says, unless you agree to pray or something. I don't know any couple that's done that, but if that's you, that's great. Anyway, then it says, then Satan won't be able to 
tempted. Do you know that you can actually help your husband in this area not be tempted by you being a giver in this area? That's amazing to me. Amazing. And, and, and let me show you something. You know when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days, right? Fasted. If you're fasting, what are you craving? What are you craving if you're fasting? Food. Matthew 4, 3, the tempter said, if you're God's son, turn these things to bread. Do you say that of all the things Satan tempted him with, it was the thing that his body was craving? It's a, it, that's, why you, that's why when you talk as a married couple, you make sure both of you are 100% satisfied. 100% satisfied. Now, in closing, let me, let me just tell you ladies, every man in here is more sensitive than every woman in here. We're just taught by society to keep it in and hold it in. Men are 10 times more sensitive than women. 10 times. 10 times. And they just keep it all inside. They never talk about it. Then one day they explode or they do something they should have never done or, or something like that. But men are so sensitive. So ladies, there's only two words a man knows. In every conversation, in every communication from his pastor, from his father, from his wife, from his friends, from his boss, there's only two words a man hears. Only two words. And these two words are failure and success. So when you communicate with your husband today in this area, if you condemn him, he'll hide it, he'll lie, and you'll never talk about it again, and he'll never be healed. If you say, ah, what's wrong with me? Is it because I've gained weight? And no, 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 calm down. It has nothing to do with that. But if you say, no, 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 it's fine. No, I don't struggle. We're good, we're good, we're good. And you'll never hear about it again. If, listen, if you tell a man, if you say, you know, he just got uncut in the grass. Oh, you missed that corner right there. Here's all he hears. Failure, 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 failure. If you say to a man, um, you did such a good job painting that wall. <gasps> success, success, success. I love you. I'm attracted to you. I want you. If you say, you never pick up your socks off the ground. Failure, 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 failure. I worked 40 hours this week. I'm paying the bills. I took care of the kids. And that's what you want to bring up. I'm a failure. I don't want you. Get out of my life. That's how a man feels. With every conversation his father has said to him, all he hears is failure or success. So you have to be very careful when you talk to a man to make him a success. And ladies, you can make your husband an incredible success. Incredible. Incredible by helping him in this area. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll close. Um, I, I, a few years ago, I watched this video on the internet. And, um, and it immediately got taken off. And I'm so glad I got to see it before it did. And it was a, it was a video of um, the pastors of the largest churches in America had gotten together. And, um, and the, the goal of the man that brought them together, the intentional goal, it wasn't strife, but it was to, he wanted some arguing. He wanted them to kind of throw in their you know, different opinions. There, there was um, Stephen Furtick, there was Perry Noble, who started New Spring. There was James McDonald. There was some um, reform pastors there. There was, um, let's see, oh, Matt Chandler was there. I mean, it was, it was incredibly, um, man, just these diverse pastors. And then my favorite pastor in the world was there, T.D. Jakes. And I just love T.D. Jakes, love him, love him, love him. And so they would ask these pastors questions and try to get them arguing, and here's how we do it. And they come, I mean, Perry Noble did, you know, Highway to Hell on Easter Sunday, and then Matt Chandler, he didn't give the kids at Children's Church, you know, um, crackers because he wanted them to learn how to um, sacrifice to give three extra dollars to missions. So, I mean, like, these are pastors from totally, totally different spectrums. And one of the questions they said was, they said, um, okay, next question, 
Um, how would you handle a man on your staff um, who, who has a pornography addiction or fallen into sexual morality? How would you handle it? And the pastor said, the first one said, I fire him. Next one, let him go. Next one, you know, three months paid, but he'd never work in a church again. And next one, fire him. And it got to T.D. Jakes. And T.D. Jakes just stopped him. And he said, he said, um, I don't, I don't want to answer this. I don't think. I, I, pass, pass. And they thought that was weird. So they went to the next pastor. Fire him. Next pastor. Let him go. Next pastor. He's done. And it came back to T.D. Jakes. And they said, come on now. You, you know, part of this thing was that everyone has to answer. And he sat back. He, put his, he, put his, he crossed his hands, put it across his stomach. And he said, uh, he said I hear what y'all are saying. And I have to tell you, I disagree with every one of you. He said, if a man knows that when he fails, he will be seen as a failure, he will never repent and never change and never be healed. But if a man knows when he fails, that there's somebody there who will pray for him, help him get counseling, encourage him, and get him restored, that man will step forward and repent every single time. And T.D. Jake said, I want everyone on my staff to know I am always here to restore you. And then when he said that, all the other pastors in the room went, yeah, that's what we do too. We change our minds. That's how we feel. That's how we feel. I told you earlier, 96% of all men in the world look at pornography. 89% of all Christian men in America who attend churches look at pornography. Here's two more statistics I want you to see. It's because I believe we have successful men here. 5%, only 5% of Christians tithe. And when, when someone ties, it means they have financial wisdom. And financial wisdom is an attractive trait uh, that a man has. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It just matters you use it wisely. That's all that matters. But of the 5%, 4% are women, 1% are men. 80% of all church servers are female. 20% are male. The reason I told you all that is to set every man in here up for success, because I believe we have very successful men in here, I want every wife in here to know if your husband faithfully tithes, which means he has financial wisdom, if he serves in church and he's willing to do whatever it takes to be free from pornography, he's in the top 1% of men in the entire world. Hallelujah. Now, he may eat Doritos in bed. He may leave his dirty drawers hanging around on the living room. I don't know where he does with it. He may have some other issues in there, but for heaven's sakes, shut your mouth, love that man, and thank God he's in the 1% of men in the time. You can trade him in for another, another one or whatever, but I promise you, he won't be that good. He won't be, he won't be successful as the men are in this church. And I pray for every marriage in here to be healed in this area today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay.